It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Hey everyone, it's the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, We've got awesome playoff coverage all across the board, so be sure to tune in. For your favorite team, it should be the Wizards, but if not, if it's a different team, feel free to tune in for other Locked On podcasts and Locked On NBA. Um, I am your host tonight, Noah Getzel, beat reporter for Wizards Extra. We are joined here with Becca Winkert making her second appearance on Locked On Wizards, so it's great to have you here, Becca. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. On tonight's agenda... First and foremost, John Wall is avoiding Drake music, which is a good thing. I hope all Wizards do that throughout the rest of... Also, the Wizards have have kind of kept their mouth shut pretty well, despite, you know, in Game 1, there was a lot of times, I guess, where John Wall was, you know, not getting calls he thought he deserved and, you know, complaining a little bit. But since then, especially in Game 4, when DeRozan got 18 free throw attempts because he got fouled by air a lot of the times, it seems like the Wizards have kind of kept quiet... (laughs) Um, and done better in terms of, you know, just moving on and controlling what they can control. Also, the Wizards have really shut down Serge Ibaka. He was great in the first game with uh, 23 points and 12 rebounds, but really hasn't done much since. And we just looked it up. The Raptors are last in the postseason in terms of uh, turnovers per game. They're averaging about 17 per contest through these four games. In the regular season, they were sixth best. So, you know, polar end opposite, uh, averaging just 13 a game. So... What are the Wizards doing differently, uh, forcing you know so many mistakes by Toronto? And finally, we are asking Becca, who is a huge fan, uh, what the fan showing looked like in terms of games three and four. I was at both games. Uh, it, of course, you know, game three was a bit more of a blowout, so the fans were a little bit quieter. I also thought they trickled in a little bit slow for you know the first playoff matchup. I guess it's Friday night. There's some DC traffic, but we'll talk about that. A little bit more. Game four was, uh, you know, a better atmosphere for the playoffs. That that's for sure. So 
what's your thought on Drake? Do you listen to him, Becca? Well, I know I you love him, don't songs. lie. I love him. Um, it's kind of difficult for me to restrain or refrain myself from listening to Drake mm-hmm. because he's I'm, everywhere. I mean, like he's everywhere, and like he's seems like he's features in everyone's songs. Like um, Rihanna and um, Pharrell had a Lemon remix with Drake in it, so I was like, you know, shuffling on my my Spotify, and it came up, and I was like oh yeah like about to listen to my you know lemon remix and then i was like oh wait drake's in the song can't listen to it so i <laughs> so you are boycotting I, yeah i um i seriously seriously i skip every drake song that comes up and i only say this because he came out with a new single called nice for what which i love but the problem is the first two games i'll admit i did listen to that song on the days that we lost so Uh i'm trying hardcore to (laughs) i'm really superstitious so i'm trying hardcore not to um listen to drake how about yourself do you like drake do you listen to him Mm, yeah i mean he's he's pretty catchy but i I don't know i feel like he if he was on a basketball court which he never is i feel like he's one of those guys (laughs) who talks a ton of trash but just is the guy who's only on the sidelines talking trash and you know like, his, his rap is good. You know, he, he deserves to be talking trash in the rap game. Uh, I just can understand why he gets on people's nerves, you know. Did, didn't it frustrate you when, you know, the first couple games when he was in Toronto and, like, he would just, like, run across the court, like, where the coaches were? Like, you know, like, it's just areas I feel like you're not supposed to go if you're not a basketball player or coach. He probably gets think... more leeway just because yeah. you know, the fans <laughs> love him so much. And I'm sure he does this at a lot of Raptors games, not just, I mean, oh, it's probably, I don't know how, how often he's there, but the playoffs are definitely a different atmosphere. I, I would love to see him get a technical for the Raptors. That would make my day. Oh, I would love to see him <laughs> get ejected, but I mean, that wouldn't happen in Toronto. It may happen here, but I don't, I don't know. Was he at the games? Do no, you know if he was he at our games? Them. No. He said he was going to come and bring his broom, but he didn't show up. <laughs> well, I guess because he didn't bring his broom, then that's why we played so well. Because you know he wasn't there to protect the Raptors from our um, defense. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he would have been on the jumbotron if he was there. One hundred percent, because they were putting pictures of him. Right. They were making memes out of him. Like I know he would have been on the jumbotron. Like we would have saw him. So I know he wasn't there. Yeah, so John Wall says that the story is that he is trying to do everything he can to avoid listening to Drake. Um, and there w- it was a interview with NBC Sports Washington's right. uh, Chase Hughes on his podcast where you know they had that exchange, and he's like, "There's no way you can avoid Drake. You know, like he's one of the most popular." He's hip-hop like, "I got artists. my headphones, yep. so and, he's not lying." Yeah, no doubt. So on to the next topic: Wizards have been keeping their mouths shut pretty well um markeith morris had a, a funny post-game interview where he's basically like i'm not saying anything i already got fined i don't want to talk about it <laughs> do you feel like it's a, an increased level of maturity or is it just because the wizards won the game it's like whatever we can't say anything we won well i'm hoping what it is is that they've learned their lesson you know in a sense that like all season they've been talking trash or like complaining and making excuses and it's gotten them nowhere so I feel like coming into the playoffs, they understand that they're the eighth seed and they're expected to lose. So it's like there's not really room for them, you know, to say anything. And I think 
it's really important that they just keep their composure and they keep moving forward instead of thinking about, oh yeah, well, you know, we, you know, we clamped a Rosen in the fourth quarter. Like that's, you know, what we're good at or, you know, just like any dumb thing that they tend to like, you know, come up with in the interviews, but I'm just glad that they're not talking at all. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I'm really excited about that because it shows that they're, they're focused on the game and not the, you know, the small aspects around it that's around the game so yeah and you know as much as Wizards fans or whichever team's fans want to complain about discrepancies and you know you could say John Wall or Bradley Beal should get the same calls when they drive to rim or you know pull up for jump shots and there's some contact the same as DeRozan but ultimately the free throws have been just about dead even all series so right yeah like each team got 30 last game the Raptors got 30 the Wizards got 31. Of course, the Wizards missed 10 of those, but we're going to talk about that at some other time. And then it was a 19 for Washington and a 20 for the Raptors in Game 3. It's basically just been within one or two free throws the whole way. So, you know, even if it's uneven, it's uneven both ways. So you can only, totally you can only get so upset. Um, yeah, I think... I feel like one thing that John Wall has done better is he, he's not really putting the game in the ref's hands like he did in game one. Uh, he tried to say, okay, I'm going to play bully ball uh, down the stretch. Basically, like if like if they don't call the fouls, then of course, like, you know, we won't score any points because I'm going into four people. So it's, it's going to be tough. But he just thought eventually he would get to the line a little bit. And he basically never did. He did, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's smarter that you realize, listen, even if I go, you know, one on four, and can't get a foul call if I'm getting hacked every play. Like, I, I understand that's just the way they're going to call it. So I've got to move the ball around a little more and, you know, get some pe- other people shots. So I'm glad that he's made that adjustment because even though he took, you know, a fair number of shots in the fourth quarter uh, the past game, he, he also had three assists. He had 10 points, three assists, three rebounds. And I think he was responsible for either scoring or assisting on seven of the Wizards' eight field goals. In that final frame, I know after Beal fouled out, he, you know, he was, yeah, aside from the free throws, he was responsible for all of those buckets. And yeah, it's just good over. to see, you know, it's it's good to see that he's taking over, but not trying to do too much offensively at the same time, if that makes any sense, how he's balancing it. Although it shocked me because he played 43 minutes and mm-hmm. he looked phenomenal. I mean, he didn't look tired or winded or anything and I mean that was impressive to me good thing he got half the season off right yeah (laughs) I'm glad he got that rest because now it's coming in handy for sure um I'd have to agree with you that he's just kind of like going for it instead of just waiting for the refs to call a foul because we saw some aggressiveness when he was driving down the lane a lot in these couple games and you know it's just really his best game is when he just goes for it you know, not when he waits for the ref to, like, call a foul or he just assumes that, you know, it's going to be a foul. He's just saying, hey, I'm going to go for it, whether it works or not, fine, but I'm just going to be confident and just do it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's really great to see him go back to that because it works, it definitely works for him. Yeah, it's it's really a, a tricky balance, especially once Beal fouled out because he knows, you know, he's got it. He's the best scorer. Nobody can stay in front of him. He's the most talented player on the roster and especially in the game at that time it's it's just you know you can't force it too much you need to get right. other people shots you know that you can get your shot anytime but i feel like he did a great job of 
you know, just playing within the offense. And of course, he did force the issue. He was aggressive. He was getting steals. He was, you know, running out in transition. But in the process of trying to get his own shot, try and get to the rim, get layups and all that, he either, you know, found some space for easy mid-range jumpers or just found his teammates. He found Gortat for that dunk. He found uh, Markeith Morris for that. Should have been and one layup. So uh, he found Ubre for a play where he got to the rim and, and got fouled. So I think, you know, he's looking for his own shot, but at the same time, he's kind of just forcing defense to collapse in on him, which he's, he's done a better job of because, you know, in game one, we saw he was forcing the defense to collapse and still trying to, you know, take that shot himself just because he thought there would be enough contact for the foul. So truly a masterful performance in game four from Wall. You know, he's he's been great all playoffs. Uh, it's... It's incredible. I hope it's sustainable. Of course, you don't want to see him playing over 40 minutes every game, but when you have such tight games, it's kind of the way that things might work. Kind of hard not to, right? Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the foul disparity or just, you know, the way that the Wizards might be able to adjust how they've guarded DeRozan? It looked like Wall played him incredibly well in those final couple of minutes. He was totally locked in and didn't let him get to a free throw line. I'm not sure if he scored in those final six minutes or so, but yeah, I, I think that could be ideally a matchup that, that might work in terms of shutting down DeRozan, who scored uh, 35 points and 37 points throughout the series and in a couple of games. Yeah, um, he's averaging, I think, 28 points per game in the right. playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. That's so right. it's just, it, he's really, um, you know, one of their top scorers and He's deadly when he gets into the zone. If you leave him open, you're in trouble. So I think if we can, you know, transfer that sort of fourth quarter mentality we had against him where we kind of, like, held him down, if we can transfer that into the next game, I think that would be, I mean, huge for us. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that we need to do and um hopefully bradley beal won't foul out of that game because we will need him right. but you never know with these refs i guess it's just unpredictable so so i want to take a quick transition now because as as you mentioned you know it's kind of like a, a bit of a different ball game once you're on the road uh so in a second when we come back we're going to talk about some of the role players especially serge Ibaka, and whether you know it's it's kind of just been a you know, what kind of performance he's have, having. He hasn't been scoring quite as well since game one, um, 23 points in game one, and then only 11 points, three points, and seven points since then. Still having some sort of an impact, but, you know, we'll just talk about what the role players must do for the Wizards and kind of, like, who are the biggest Wizards killers coming off the bench or guys who haven't necessarily had the best offensive outings quite yet um, in the playoffs. What what needs to change here back in Toronto, uh, Game 5 on Wednesday. So stay tuned. Locked on Wizards podcast is coming right back. I'm Noah Getzel, and we're here with our guest, Becca Winkert. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves 
they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Locked on Wizards. I am Noah Getzel, and we are here with Becca Winkert. You can find her on Twitter hey. at BeccaMVP. You can find me, Noah underscore G-O-E-T-Z-E-L. Last name's Getzel. It rhymes with pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> this is, of course, Locked on Wizards podcast, so follow us at Locked on Wizards. Also, we are, you may as well follow Locked on NBA, and while you're at it, um, and I'm part of Wizards Extra, so you can give them a follow as well. And be sure to subscribe if you don't already. Um, check us out on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, even Spotify. Uh, we post all of our links to the podcasts, which are every day, Monday through Friday, on Twitter as well, so you can check us out there. Last but not least, we're also on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net station um, every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. So check us out. Serge Ibaka started off with a huge impact. Um, It looked like he was going to be a bit of an X-factor for the Raptors in Game 1. He had 13 points, 12 rebounds. I believe he might have had a couple blocks. He's had, I think, 7 blocks in 4 games throughout this playoff series, so that's that's been pretty impressive, but the Wizards have really held him in check in terms of his shooting um, numbers recently. He was 4 of 11 in Game 2, 11 points, 1 of 4 in Game 3 for 3 points, and then just 7 points off of uh, 2 of 5 shooting this last game on Sunday. He's also been committing a lot of turnovers, 7 in the past 2 games. What do you think has been working in terms of the matchups? Um, you know, it seems like a lot of smaller lineups for the Wizards, even though we, we have seen Gortat, you know, the past two games having a bigger impact. Uh, is it Porter and Markeith Morris who who have, you know, kind of ratcheted up their, their duties of jumping out to three-point line and keeping him from getting hot out there in your mind? Or what do you think has played a role in, in Ibaka being a little quieter in the past three games? I think it's... It's mostly every, I think it's everyone that's kind of been like taking turns stepping in and um, you know really stopping him because you know he's he's a great person when it comes to shooting threes or you know especially defense which is scary for us but um, he's definitely been stopped by Keith and I want to mm-hmm. say a little bit of Otto but mostly Keith yeah like Keith has helped us huge defensively so. I mean, if that's something that's going to be crucial because, you know, we've gotten him stopped these past couple games, and I think coming into game five, Ibaka's going to be, you know, a lot more aggressive. So it's important that we keep that momentum for sure. Mm-hmm. And luckily the Wizards haven't really seen a lot of small ball lineups from the Raptors um, in terms of they've always had, like, Jonas Valanciunas or – sorry. Yeah, they've, they've had always Pertle, had, yeah, they've always had a big guy in. Jakob Pertle, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, actually. <laughs> Something but like that, right? What do you think would be the best way to match up if the, the Raptors were to go with maybe OG Ananubi uh, playing power forward and then Abaka at center if they threw someone like a three-guard lineup like DeLon Wright or I even CJ Miles, he plays small forward. Like if they had those guys in and didn't want to, you know, put your traditional center of Jakob Pirtle or Valenciunas, which kind of like smaller lineup would you want to see? Would you want it to be Otto at the four and Markeith at the five? Would you want uh, Mike Scott playing some small ball center, even though he can't quite get rebounds or protect the rim quite as well as right. some of the centers? What, like, if, if the Raptors were to go small, 
how would the wizards counterpunch that in your mind? I think um, I think they should use Ubre because you know he's one of our best defenders, mm-hmm. and I think he's quick and you know he can um, bring that aggressiveness defensively. Right. And I think um, I mean Mike Scott. Like I like to see him go in there. I'm curious to see how he would match up against a smaller Raptors team for sure. I mean. I'd like to see Jason Smith come in every once in a while, but that's just because I'm biased and I like him because he's a good dancer. But, you know. <laughs> Doesn't we, help we you too much on a basketball court. Free free my boy Jason, you know what I'm saying? For sure. So I just, I mean, I don't know. What's going on in your mind about that? Like if you were to match up against a small Raptors, what would you do? Uh, part of me hopes that nobody listens to this podcast because the Wizards don't really have answers if that were to be the case, <laughs> so I'm glad that Dwayne Casey hasn't kind of unleashed that lineup too much. Um, I feel like yeah. Oubre, it, it seems like he's better at guarding guards than, you know, stronger power forwards and small forwards. He kind of suffers from the same uh, syndrome as DeMar DeRozan in terms of both of them are very athletic and quick and rangy, but their frames are just like a little bit too slight to totally. match up with some of those beefier guys in the post. So, I mean, uh-huh. I think Markeith Morris is, you know, we saw it in game two. He sets the tone defensively for the Wizards front court and nobody wants to fight him. He is a very tough guy. He's not scared to to mix it up. We hope that he doesn't get into foul trouble or ejected. The best lineup probably would involve Wall, Beal, Ubre, Porter. And I would love to say Marching Gortat because that line's incredibly effective, but he truly can't chase three-point shooters, so I would say Marquise yeah. Morris playing center. Uh, that's a good lineup. I think that would be pretty effective. Yeah, Gortat, it, he kind of scares me because I feel like you know, a lot of guards and a lot of people have the ability to run right around him. Right. So it's probably better that Keith would take that position for sure. No doubt. And then uh, the Wizards have done an incredible job of forcing turnovers. So throughout the regular season, uh, the Wizards were like 16th, so middle of the pack in turnovers. But we, of course, seen so many of those games where they had 20 or more and could have had a game in hand, but just kept coughing the ball up, especially at crucial times. Here in the playoffs, um, the Wizards are surprisingly third among 16 teams, turning it over just 12.3 times a game. And then in last place, 16th out of 16 teams, Raptors turning it over 17 times a game. Uh, they had 17 in Game 1, 14 in Game 2, when they won a little more handedly by 11 points and 18 in the past two contests. Do you feel like that is all about you know John Wall getting out, getting steals? He's... Um, First in the playoffs in terms of, well, he was before I, I checked the numbers after last night's games, and there's probably some games going on right now that might impact it, but he was averaging three steals a game, which was good for first at the time. Uh, what what do you think's working in, with the Wizards' defense, which had been so questionable throughout not even you know just the, the regular season, but even you know, allowing 76 points in the first half of Game 2? You know, we've seen a lot of charges drawn by... Ubre, we've seen a fair number of blocks by Jan Mahimni and just a lot of steals across the board. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the Raptors are really good at like getting fouls and then shooting and then making the basket. (laughs) Especially when it comes to the three point line. So I feel like that has been going on a little less, I'd want to say. Don't quote me on it because I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like that's part of it. And I mean, their three point efficiency has just been 
I want to say it's like cut in half. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, I I don't know if they're shooting as many threes as they did in game one and game two, but they haven't been going in as much. So that's, that's huge because the wizards, the first couple games, you know, they just let them run around them and just kind of get that wide open shot. But I haven't been seeing that as much. So I think the wizards are kind of, they're, they're on to the Raptors and they know, you know, they know what to expect, and I feel like now that they've gotten, you know, practice against them, I'm sure they've watched the tapes, and mm-hmm. they've seen how quick they can move, where the ball is going to go, and I feel like they're just being more aware, and that's super important, yeah. and that, I mean, that's how I feel. I, I really appreciate that they're not making as many threes, because every time, every time the Raptors throw up a three, like, my heart just, like, sinks because it's like i'm almost positive it's gonna go in but i haven't gotten that feeling so i'm pretty excited about that yeah let's hope they don't get too many of those home court bounces back in in toronto um definitely a a big adjustment in game four uh running the raptors off the three-point line because they they hit 16 threes in game one 13 including 11 in the first half in game two and then they even had 12 in game three as the Wizards won the game, but just seven of 18, I believe. Yeah, so that's still a very high percent. That's 39% shooting, but it's five threes less than, you know, the next lowest total that they hit in the playoffs. So it was good to see the Wizards try and force them into some contested twos and, uh, you know, just force them off that three-point line, which can be so deadly. Yeah, three different Wizards, actually... Four Wizards are getting at least a, a steal a game, which is a good sign. Um, you've got Wall leading everyone in the postseason with three a game, Beal a steal and a half, Porter 1.3, and also Oubre 1.3. Next man actually is Jan Mahimni, who barely plays at all. Uh, I've got a double Go minute title. It's totals, birthday. But yeah, he's, <laughs> he's getting close to a steal a game as well, so that's good news. Awesome. Um, I want to get to one more topic before we wrap up and just enjoy the game on Wednesday night. So I want to talk about the Wizards fans, which uh, I've got to check those numbers, but it, you know, their, their crowd has been piss poor for a couple of years and it's not even like the team's rebuilding anymore. You know, they've made the playoffs three or four years, but I just wanted to get like they're your, respectable. Yeah. You know, I want to get we your, need a, we need a crowd, right? I want to hear what you thought of crowd in the Wizards' two home games so far this postseason, uh, both both weekend games too, Friday night and Sunday night, and then Game Six is also going to be on the weekend coming up on Friday. So stay tuned with Locked On Wizards. We will be right back with some expert analysis from Becca Winkert about the Wizards' attendance uh, from DC family. So stay right here. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey everybody, welcome back to the final segment of Locked on Wizards here tonight, game night against uh, the Toronto Raptors for Game 5 in Canada. The Wizards won both games at home. They have now won eight straight uh, postseason games in Capital One Arena, Verizon Center, whatever you guys want to call it. And I was just wondering, what did you think of the turnout from the Wizards family, DC family, and the Wizards fans uh, over this past weekend on Friday night and Sunday? 
as uh, I don't know if it was at capacity, but it seemed like Sunday was really bumping. It was a close game. Friday, maybe not quite as much because uh, there was, you know, a lot of empty seats in the lower bowl in, in terms of what I saw. But, you know, you probably had the best vantage point up in the, the nosebleeds. Did it seem like a packed house to you, Becca? Yeah. Well, I had my nosebleed seats on game three, and I want to say the crowd was like super empty. I, I'm just like, I don't know. I, I'm slow in my response because I'm just so frustrated and fed mm-hmm. up with these people. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, we're ordering you to show up to the game on Friday and we're ordering you to wear a Wizards jersey or like whatever, you know, Wizards gear you have because, you know, you got to support this team. Like we're not like, like Noah said, we're not rebuilding and this is just ridiculous. You know, they didn't perform as well as they should have this season, but they deserve a crowd. Game four, I was in um, the 100 section, and I thought the crowd was way better. I mean, I, I looked up, and the whole, you know, upper bowl was, like, filled. The lower bowl was filled. And um, as crazy as it sounds, you know, you think the blowout game, like, the crowd would be more into it, but the crowd was more into it in game four. And I think it's because, you know, they started to kind of creep back in the fourth with the 40 points that they scored. And mm-hmm. crowd just went nuts. And it was just, like, really exciting to see, especially in the fourth quarter when they sealed the win. It was just, like, that. that's the craziest I've seen that place get in a while. So Yeah, and throughout the course of the regular season, the Wizards ranked 24th in terms of the percentage of uh, seats filled uh, among all the teams. So oh, that's, that's obviously so not, not a good... I don't know what it is. I feel like uh, D.C. is kind of just a transient city. So even though you've got three surrounding states, just a lot of people don't stay in D.C. long and don't really make an allegiance there. So it would be great right. if the Wizards had... I feel like it kind of comes with not you know having a 51 season or being a true competitor since, you know, 1979 or something like that. Teams kind of, you know, fans just lose hope after a little bit of so many uh, poor poor finishes and lottery finishes. But, you know, now it's, it's a different time now because, like, the East is wide open, and there's no doubt about that. No team has looked like, okay, they're unstoppable in the Eastern Conference. So if the Wizards, you know, close out this series... Maybe they get lucky and um, Indiana Pacers upset the, the upset the Cavs. You know, there's not that difficult of a path to make it to at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Of course, this is the very optimistic version of me speaking right now, but it's just it's a little bit sad that three out of four of the last seasons, or is it even four out? Of, no, I think it's three out of the past four. Wait, no. Okay, so it's it's more because they made it two years back-to-back getting eliminated by the Pacers, getting yeah. eliminated by the Hawks, missed that year in between when they were hoping Kevin Durant was somehow going to join the team, and then they've made it back-to-back years since then. So that's four out of five years. You would think that, you know, they're kind of looking like a perennial uh, contender, of, especially now that the East is so weak, but I feel like it's just people have low expectations of DC sports, uh, you know, Nationals, Caps, and Wizards always getting to the playoffs and then choking or just not having enough. So it's it's been it's been tough. Uh, thanks for the marketing pitch uh, to get everyone over back at the game on Friday. Did no, you... it's not a marketing pitch. It's, <laughs> it's an a order, demand. Noah. Okay. If anybody's listening right now, you better show up to the game. And if I don't see you wearing Wizards gear, I'm going to stuff you in a trash can. 
Oh, so man. watch out. That that's not that's not a threat either. I will do it. So <laughs> that is a threat then. <laughs> no, I mean it's. I mean I don't know. It's not really like a threat. It's like it's just like it's like a warning. I want to say like. But okay, yeah, it's a threat. But uh, any, anyways, regardless, like I, I just really want the fans to show up, and it's so disappointing because this team is so talented, and I know the Caps games, like they're always like you know like really popular and crowded, and whenever I roll into Wizards games, it's just like, do we even have a fan base sometimes? Yeah. So I just I, I hope to see a lot of people now that they saw the Wizards win take these two home games i hope they'll be motivated to come on friday Mm -hmm. and hopefully the game will be did we get a time for the game friday yet well i'm hoping it's later because you know a lot of people will be rushing from work and you know the earlier the game i feel like it'll prohibit people from coming so let's hope it's an eight o'clock game and uh people will be ready to come and cheer on their home team still to be announced still to be announced so sure about that yeah it'll depend on you know what what shakes out here Tuesday night and who's moving ahead who's you know what how many teams are still in play so we'll see um thanks for the death row not death row DC death but row death DC. row Becca MVP you know putting pressure on on all the people to show up and be loud and wear the wizard's gear all right we'll get you out of here now um Becca all we need is a song request and of course it can't be Drake Let's play Welcome to DC. That's a good, that's a good song. Okay, got it. <laughs> cool. Well, it was a pleasure having you back on the podcast Thank tonight, you. and look forward to checking out Game Five, pivotal matchup. All Thanks. right. Thanks. Have a great night, everyone. Enjoy the game. Like BEC, what in Berkeley, now backyard. So our NEG, our essence, and now backyard. And Chuck Yard got us all going hard. You know what? Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.